It's been a while, but we're finally back, so it's time to tune up the band and have your preconceived notions about me, because it's time for another sweet chinwag. I'm Sam, I am joined as ever by Dan and Reardon. Hello, gents, after a little hiatus. That was good to be back. That was a good intro, I'm not gonna lie. Preconceived notions about me, get it? You think you know? Yeah. I, I got, I got it, I got it. I, got it. I, I <laughs> thought you might, I might go. I thought you were gonna go for the. Uh, you think you know him, but. <laughs> you, or you think you know us, but. Yeah. Hey. I mean that is true. Look, there's, there, there's stuff. To, there's stuff to work with here. Yeah, I, I mean, went you, for the nerdy one because you I'm, know how I'm like. Uh, that's true. I mean that's true, but our, our listeners think they know us, but do they really? <laughs> Is this like we can't be having like a parasocial relationship going on? That well, it depends who's been interacting with me on Twitter or not. That's true. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Uh, yes. So we give you this podcast lovingly free of charge, thanks to those people over at SoundCloud. Pending trademark. And Pending. yes, I actually want to say, and I know you'll probably bring it up uh, in a in a moment, Dan, but. Uh, the, the waves you've been making on our Twitter at Sweet Chinwag, uh, it's been amazing. We now got quite a following on our hands, and uh, uh, just to say thank you. Yeah, uh, thank you very much to everyone who's uh, ended up following us, whether or not you are a listener, a fellow podcast, or other person, or a network, or a platform, or whatever. I believe at my last check we had 160 followers, and that's grown from. 50 in about two weeks so we're very happy to have been accepted by the wrestling community and continue to grow from there that's it's... true i i must say as as we grow um socially from strength to strength um i'm a little worried that dan might have too much power as our social media guru as, <laughs> as... <laughs> i previously offered the ability and i'm signing off Things that I'm signing off things by me, which are opinion based. I'm not representing everyone here. My words are my own. Okay, I'm just making that clear because and occasionally as... when we hijack the Twitter, hey, Rin. Yeah, I mean, as, as the options as... open if you want to do it, so I don't have to do all the work. <laughs> I mean, as Kanye West in one of his more lucid moments said, no one man should have all that power. So <sighs> I thought you were just going to say, I'm a fixed wolves. <laughs> And on That's that still my favourite tweet of his, I'm sorry. I was going to say, and on that weird tangent, <laughs> let us go to Dan for this week's wrestling news. Dun, 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 dun. Wrestling news. Hey. Uh, yeah, so the, f- the first bit that we should talk about is obviously that we have been away, uh, but we have been using that time semi-constructively. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. Uh, to say Yeah, to say the least. Um We've just been thinking about things that we're doing, um, various different types of content that we can be doing, and thinking for the time when we aren't having to be uh, stuck in our houses or stuck only going from our houses to our work and being able to see each other and travel about and do all that fun stuff again and for when shows are back. Uh, mm. So we're hoping to just diversify things out a bit. Uh, whatever form that takes with different types of content, different various pieces around various socials and things like that so expect more to come in the coming weeks in and layman's I'll... terms we just want to go back to wrestling shows <laughs> yeah basically we just want to go to wrestling shows and say hey look at us at x wrestling show really yeah <laughs> basically <laughs> some semblance of normalcy please <laughs> so <laughs> 
I don't care how India is. If it's got 50 or 5,000 people, I'll go and watch it at this rate. Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Just make so, me yeah, feel that, that's, whole again. <laughs> that's been, that has been uh, the most of it. Uh, in terms of actual wrestling news, though, um, just to a quick run over, because obviously we have missed a lot. We had both TakeOver and SummerSlam, so we had the in-ring debuts of Pat McAfee uh, and Dominic Mysterio. Both? I have to say, both of them impressive. Both really impressive. Extremely <laughs> impressive. Pat McAfee especially. <laughs> yeah, he's doing stuff that most actual wrestlers his size would never do. So I'm, 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 I was very impressed, and Adam add Cole... another feather in that cap. You know, yeah. Adam Cole did great. I think if anything, it was a testament to how good Adam Cole is, really, at, at being able to run that match and absolutely take command of everything. Um, fantastic for Dominic and uh, Seth. Mm. Um, Dominic looked uh, pretty good, bit off in some areas, but considering some of the stuff that he was going for and the kind of mold he's expected to fit. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, it's it's a great it's a great starting place, and I like that they haven't immediately pulled the trigger for just Dominic winning. Yeah, uh, so obviously we're going to I can't remember if it's Dominic and Ray at Payback, but I think it might. I remember seeing Ray versus Seth at Payback, but it might be like a tag team match, and they bring in Murphy as well. <laughs> well, who knows? If only five days worth of build up for a pay per view straight after SummerSlam. Well, <laughs> that's true. Guess. It'd be fair if anything. The motivation for Murphy is getting annoyed at his shirt design because oh, God, that was awful. don't mention the shirt. <laughs> the clip art. There's a reason why <laughs> Neville left WWE. It's really interesting though because they did live Morgan's one, and I'll be honest, it wasn't incredible. It wasn't anything amazing, mm. but like it was still more interesting than Murphy's and they could have done Murphy's one like Liv Morgan's one. Yeah. But hey, uh whatever the hell any of that was though. Um we then had various bits on Raw. Um Raw Underground is still occasionally going on. Uh seems to be Dolph Ziggler's becoming a fixture on there. I don't know if that's an attempt to try and get him over when he does that anyway, but um I know that my only real concern with Raw Underground has been the kind of disconnect that they're throwing up with it. Mm. Because they keep... I have to get this right now. They keep booking Eric of the Viking Raiders in Raw Underground and making him look really good. But Mm. they book Ivar not in Raw Underground and make him lose. (laughs) I I just don't understand it. It's... I, I don't quite get where things are with it because like I'll be honest they're making Eric look amazing mm. um, and a really powerful force giving him a lot of legitimacy as if they never had it in the first place mm. uh, and so to have Ivar doing you know losing singles matches I mean to be he's losing to like Andrade or Angel Garza but and then throwing it in with this storyline with uh, Demi Burnett, who just keeps appearing for some reason. Yeah. No idea why. I assume she was just there because Angel Garza, but like, also they never gave any reason for her being there. Just like, here's this woman from The Bachelorette. <laughs> nice. So, I don't know on that one. <laughs> really, really random. Uh, we then had the, the I guess, 
payoff, the big reveal, I was going to say the payoff, the big reveal to the Montez Ford getting poisoned storyline. <laughs> With it being revealed that it was Zelina Vega. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I don't know who else I would have guessed. <laughs> uh, I don't mean to be rude. <laughs> but... Soon enough we'll find out that Zelina Vega was the one that threw the pie in Kevin Owens' face as well. See? It all connects. <laughs> is is Selena I'm like Vega... linking all the dots. Is Selena Vega the Joker now? Is that is that how we're going for? Why did you yeah. say that? <laughs> <laughs> I just I mean like into the world, didn't I? I mean like it, it it's just like really random, and it's it's just kind of there. It's happening, you know. She's literally just. I assume this is their way of bringing her into it, although I thought, I thought the way of bringing her into it is she's the manager of Andrade and Angel Gaza who are feuding with the Street Profits. <laughs> I don't think there's any more involvement you need. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, we, we then had the return of Alistair Black, and he's a heel now. Yay! And I am all for it, because oh. he looks incredible. Yes. Um, God, keep just, I'm just... All I'm saying, I won't go and jump to conclusions, but I'm just going to keep my fingers crossed and hope yeah. this does lead to something for him. I hope it leads to something because this character looks super imposing. Uh, we know of his ability in the ring. I know sometimes people have said his promo is a bit weak, but I mean, honestly, with this kind of character, just go for the just go for his NXT character. Silent, absolute killer. Just speaks when he needs to and then everyone will listen to him mm. Mm. that'd be the best way of doing it uh we then got uh moving on just kind of randomly firing shots everywhere we have the fiend as the new universal champion uh, and we then had the return of roman reigns who appears to be a heel now uh pairing with paul Heyman on the most recent episode of smackdown mm. A very interesting development. <laughs> mm -hmm. I really don't know what to say with this because I don't know what way they're at all going to play it out. Is this Vince's way of telling him that he's a bad guy for uh, for for ditching them uh, just before WrestleMania, despite the well, fact that man was trying to save his family's life during the midst of an outbreak? <laughs> well, this is this is this is going to be this is going to be the other thing uh, that I'll get to later. Um, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do with this. You can't. I I can't see them doing a seven day reign for Fiend. Give Roman the title. I I mean. I mean, I can. Never? I should. I more. I should more say. I wouldn't think of doing it myself. <laughs> but this is WWE. You are talking about. <laughs> yeah, that would. This mm. is like the, as said, new Vince Darling child. So. I mean, if they do it, I'm going to be angry because it's basically just Goldberg Part 2. Oh. Uh... Um, and I can't see them, you know, doing a seven-day reign because what's the point? You did all that build and all that payoff, all those amazing promos for that. Oh, God. You, mm. you, oh, God, you, you're sounding as if... I mean, this could be... Us talking about Keith Lee's NXT title reign as well. Oh no. Well, I mean, Keith. There was obviously the Keith Lee debut. I know some people have been saying it was an instant burial. Um, 
I mean, for for a lot of people, myself included, I more just find the choices to change his attire and the intro music just confusing yes. than anything else. Um, mm. I don't see the reason why they were doing it or why they felt the need to give him a different look for moving to main roster because, honestly, I think so much of his character was built up into his look. Um, mm. And just kind of, you know, highlighting the fact of what he is. He's a big guy who does stuff you don't expect a big guy to do. Mm. And so seeming like you're hiding that away just makes no sense to me. Mm. Fair play but, to Keith but, Lee, though. Um, yeah. He went on Twitter to say that... Uh, no, he responded, to, he's responded great to it. Mm. <laughs> he responded great to it. Mm. Um, and like we said, you know, he went straight into a match with Randy Orton pretty much main event on Raw. Um, and I, I mean, as much as they did, you know, do the whole DQ finish and everything, I still think they sold him as as legit. Yeah. Mm. I still think they sold him as being a, a legit threat. And honestly, I mean, he, he is a future world title holder. There's yeah. no doubt about it. Absolutely. Anyone would be there and say it. You'd have to be the most diehard hater of Keith Lee to say that he would that you can't see him as a title holder. And there are very so, few and far between. Yeah. 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 You know, um, we we we're, we're talking a very small percentage of people out here that are, that are saying they can't see it. And to be honest, I think he could work great with any of the people they've got in the main event fold right now. Mm. You know, they've got stuff pretty much ready made. Mm. I'm I'm not going to say burial yet. Until I see it. Yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely think say. burial, burial is harsh. Burial is very harsh. We With that, should, you know. having that being said, like changing his title music is frankly ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it. No, no, especially, sense. especially considering, literally, we were talking about theme music. Yeah, yeah. a few weeks ago, and no, now. That's, that's... As we said, you know, a, a good theme can make or break someone in at times. It can get people behind them. And when you've spent so long with so many people saying, this is a really good theme, this captures this wrestler, changing it makes you just think, well, okay, what's, you know, what is this now? Mm. You're changing the perspective everyone's looking at Keith Lee from now because they're thinking, oh, okay. You know, has he got a new gimmick? Has he got a new character? Is this the same Keith Lee from NXT? Mm. And so, you know, being on top of that is a a really big thing they need to be kind of aware of. So, who knows? Who knows? We shall see. But hey, uh, obviously we had we had Cross getting it uh, now having to vacate the title due to injury which oh such a goddamn shame which is a, a, a big shame I know that they've been saying I mean clearly from the way that things have gone now they're, it's clearly much more serious than it was initially reported because a lot of the initial reports were saying it would only be a two to three week absence mm. um, although we do know how WWE are with people getting injured with titles yeah. just ask Finn um, Balor yeah ask Finn Balor <laughs> Um, but we now are now getting what looks to be. I'm I'm being speculative in saying this. It's dumb right. This could be a potential top ten match of the year contender. Oh, this in the, 
mm. in the four man 60 minute Iron Man match. You know, we're talking great. We're talking, so we're talking Finn Balor, Champa, Gargano, uh, and Adam Cole, right? Come on. This sounds like a dream match you play on a WWE game. Yeah, this is a great lineup. Especially of with the Iron and... Man stipulation as well. Well, I'm just thinking about, like, you've got, <clears throat> you know, Gargano there with the technicals, Balor with the striking, Adam Cole just with his kind of general ring ability, and Champo just with his pure insanity that yes. he's now carrying. Uh, heel Champa is far superior to face Champa. Yes. Yes, and yes. <laughs> you know, like, I know there's a, there's a lot of the beef around Champa and Randy Orton, but like Champa is pretty much like Randy Orton. He should only be heel. Mm-hmm. It's where he excels. Yes, turning him face at this point is just a, a lost cause. No, agreed. But no, and we're yeah we're talking about the ability there, and there's just so much in there for a great match with the especially with the Iron Man stipulation. Cannot so play. I am very, <clears throat> very excited for that match. Yes. Yes. Uh, in terms of other news, we then... <clears throat> in New Japan, Tetsuya Naito recaptured the double crown. Hey. Uh, on a struggle. He's now set the record for the most IWGP Intercontinental title reigns. Thoroughly hey. deserved. Thoroughly uh, deserved. Uh, what I will say, and I, I'll bring this up in a second uh, later... Uh, when we're done with the news, but uh, Naito, uh, this whole year has been such a bloody pain for New Japan and Naito especially. Um, but I will say that I think the title, def- uh, the title reign of Evil, was justified, and I think it wasn't that bad oh, reign as people think it was. Um, but uh, it set up a big, it set up that big match as well for Summer Struggle, and uh, no, thoroughly deserved. Glad to see Naito Yeah, no, thoroughly deserved. And I definitely don't think this is the end of Evil as a main event player Absolutely in New Japan. Um, I definitely think he's shown the ability to take that place, and I'm interested to see where they kind of go with it, mm. especially in regards to um, you know the kind of factions involved as well. Yes, indeed. Uh, and then also finally, uh, John Moxley getting the number one spot on the PWI 500. Yeah, uh, it makes the, um, as as I said to you before recording, it makes the most sense. You know, as we all know, that the PWI five hundred works within the rules of kayfabe, so it takes into account wins, losses, title wins, title defenses, and mm-hmm. in terms of the guy who's been the most consistent in all of that, John Moxley should be number one. He's AEW champion. He's is he? I believe he is still uh, IWGP champion? US champion. Yeah. Uh, sorry, North, not North American, US champion, I should say. Um, so yeah, it makes the most sense. He's the yeah, most... no, it's it's fantastic, and I think this is huge uh, for AEW oh. as well mm. in in showing you know the kind of ability they have in their roster. I mean, in the same vein, uh, I think Chris Jericho was at number four. Uh, so you know, so much that they can they can take out of that. Um, and not least the fact for John Moxley and the fact that he, um, you know, taking taking the chance on AEW really, mm. Mm. and it's I think it's proved dividends for Moxley. I think it's definitely given his 
not only himself as a performer, but himself, I think, as a person. You can definitely see that it's paid off and it's made him much, much more much more happier about what he's doing because you could tell that he was not happy when he was leaving WWE but now he just seems yeah. so much more happier mm. yeah no it definitely seems like uh, a lot he's of things out of that decision has come come right yeah he's doing what he loves yeah, yeah. as he should be and as everyone should be listeners with that that is concluding the news Ah, very nice, very nice. So, before we get to the retrospective on our dear, dear favourite wrestler, Adam Copeland, but also known as The Edge, or also known as Edge, people call him The Edge because they mistake it for The Edge from U2, I don't know why, Uh, let us swing to the recommendation corner and to to, uh, one of my favourite YouTubers at the moment, Super Eyepatch Wolf, who his recent video was all about villains in wrestling and what makes a great villain villain and how to get people to hate you. Now, the reason Damn I brought this up earlier is because he did a very good example with Evil and why that, at the moment, in New Japan was probably one of the better storylines going for them. Uh, but he also brings up The Fiend. He brings up Minoru Suzuki. He also brings up... Um, uh, a couple of others uh, it escaped me because I did watch the video a few days ago and there's so many things that have happened in those few days. But no, in all honesty, go out of uh, 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 your way to watch it. I think it's the third of his wrestling videos that he's it done. It is. That's been so and, you know, and you know what? It's him. I was actually about to recommend that video myself, actually. Nice. Same <laughs> mind. So Because I was like, yeah, because it's because of him that I actually know about that. So <laughs> so I wasn't confused by wrestling news for once in my life. <laughs> Brilliant. But no, uh, go out of your way to watch it and go out of your way to subscribe to Super Patchwork because he does such amazing videos on YouTube. Warning, side effect of the video may make you fall in love with Minoru Suzuki. Exactly. Yeah. Um, while, while we're on some of, of um, recommend, I'd like to recommend something, although unfortunate, sad circumstances to our listeners. At the time of this recording, I've got to mention it, Chad, Chad yep. Coachman died. Yeah. Black Panther, also known as Black Panther. Also, he had a hell of a run in the four years that it turns out that he had colon cancer, that he was having chemotherapy for that mm-hmm. um all of us at the sweet chinwag podcast is just as shocked and completely stunned as everyone else i imagine yep so in honor of him obviously i recommend his entire back catalog mm. but in particular i recommend people watch what seems to be like the last thing that was out while he was living, The Five Bloods, which is on Netflix mm. by, by Spike Lee. If you haven't seen it, I recommend it. It's on, it's on one of my favorite historical subjects. It's on the Vietnam War, and it's kind of a, a an old-style, almost westerny kind of film, which Bozeman has a pivotal role in. So if you want to see him at his best, I'd watch that. And uh, you will be missed, Buzzman. Jesus Christ. Absolutely will be. Absolutely. Rest in paradise, sir. Flipping 
Chadwick Boseman for freaking ever. Indeed. And with that, it is time to get on to the main portion of this podcast, the Edge Retrospective. Man, what can you say about a wrestler that is so highly revered and is so iconic as Edge? I mean, where do you start? I mean, I guess... I, you know, this is one where we all have memories on this. Yeah. On it. So this is one where I think we're all going to have our job. But I would like to say, for me personally, I think the fact that Edge is an all-timer, is a Hall of Famer, is one of the greatest wrestlers of the modern era, I think that fact kind of snuck up on me mm. personally. Which is interesting for someone as... I think it's kind of like when he retired for the first time is when just the sheer weight of his oeuvre kind of landed on top of me. Mm. When you just realise how much he... how much he has done, how much history he did with the wwe so much yeah it's like yeah. we kind of live in the wake of edge <laughs> yeah and you know it, it's just kind of a, a thing for me is that you kind of realize how much faith they had in him yeah and rightly so and because the guy the was amazing yeah, yeah the I, guy I, the, the guy was the guy was amazing like in most things that he did and was I tasked think, with doing yeah. i think what stands out to me with edge watching him perform watching him is that i can't think of another wrestler that i think is just the single most like if there was anyone born to be a wrestler and looks just to be so utterly in his element, it's Edge. Funny you should say that because in his, if I believe in his high school yearbook of when he gradu graduated, he received the title most likely to become WWE champion. <laughs> Good See? God! Some See? the people that the people at his school knew. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Yeah, I think I think the thing for myself as well was just that he kind of fit into a, I mean what I generally term the Chris Jericho mold which mm. is like you kind of just loved him whatever he was doing yes like yeah. whether or not he was face or heel didn't really matter it was just like I'm here to see edge <laughs> yeah absolutely. that's it mm. absolutely and considering I think that from his very meager beginnings in WWF, um, I don't think I think he was so popular. But we all imagine as the, that okay, upper mid card is probably where they see Edge. I think what really took everyone by surprise as well, and everyone's sheer elation and joy is when they finally did pull the trigger on him and he became a main event star. And then God did he supersede everybody's expectations fans wrestlers creative absolutely and became oh yeah a freaking legend <laughs> one of the greatest to ever step foot in the wwe ring 
Ah, <sighs> so before we actually get started, I say uh, on his whole tenure at WWF, let's have a quick run through of his of his early life and his start in wrestling. So, born Adam Joseph Copeland in 1973. His first foray into wrestling was about in the 80s, being enamoured by Hulk Hogan, uh, Ultimate Warrior, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Ricky Steamboat, Mr. Perfect. It was him then that his love of wrestling that he bonded with with his good friend Jason Riso, also known as Christian. And they would spend days upon days watching wrestling tapes in his mum's basement performing wrestling moves on mattresses here and there and and apparently like the pivotal moment for edge was when he went to see uh wrestlemania 6 at the toronto sky dome um and he was on the 11th row in the main uh, of that and in the main event of hogan versus warrior you can actually see edge when they pan to the crowd in a ho in a hogan shirt with amazing mullet my i add (laughs) <laughs> it was uh, a different time it was a different, different time it was the it was the it was the 90s you know they were just coming out of the 80s it didn't it took about till 1992 for people to realize that they had to kind of move with the times uh <laughs> but i think it was at 17 he won an essay contest at his local gym uh which was uh free wrestling training with sweet daddy Siki and ron hutchison in toronto um and that's who that's how he first trained and trained and where he got started um apparently he wrestled in a in a in a boxing ring or he trained in a boxing ring which everyone <laughs> knows is horrible because there's absolutely yeah. no give in a boxing ring um mm. especially because there's no spring in the mat yeah no you're designed kind of... to stand up on it lo- yeah. land flat on your back in boxing generally yeah. i think that's how the i think that's how it works Mm. <laughs> indeed uh and this is when he started about 92 is when he started going around the canadian indies and started building up his uh his uh his uh repertoire uh i remember being in a t- him being in a tag team if i remember with joe e legend who would end up going to tna right in the beginning of tna star oh, yeah um mm. and then of course tagging with christian with his brother christian cage uh, when he was wrestling as well, he, uh, before then he was wrestling as Adam Impact and Adam Copeland. But when yeah. he was when he was teaming with Christian Cage as the Suicide Blondes from California, that he had the name of Dan Sexton Hardcastle. <laughs> what the most amazing <laughs> name you could ever think? Oh of. my god! Can I also just say that the, when he was with him, the team name was Sex and Violence. <laughs> Oh, with Joe Legend, yes, yeah, yeah, that was that one as well. For Sexton Hardcastle, that is the single most adolescent wrestling name I've ever heard, and I absolutely adore it. <laughs> and then, oh. do you want to do you want to do you want to share a little bit later into his run the uh, the faction he joined into? <laughs> oh, crumbs! What was it called? Um, Fug right, Life. Me... It was called Fog Life. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> and it... And my favorite bit about this is, uh, can you guess what uh, wrestler was also in this? Uh, There were two other people people in there. (laughs) Uh, It was Rhino. (laughs) What? (laughs) Believe it or not, it was actually Rhino. That is amazing. 
amazing. I, I got a question actually, um, Sam. Mm. Do we know what his um his finishing move was in those days? If I believe uh, rightly, it would have been the Impaler DDT. Uh, mm. oh, or at least a he, variation, I believe. What he Impaler. later changed to the... Was it the Execution? Yeah, the Execution. That's right. I believe Which is such a great name. Mm. Yeah, oh, it is. Like, okay, like, just to, like, I know, like, we'll talk about the spear eventually in this. But can we just talk about how cool the Education is? Yes. I miss that. I miss that finisher. I do. The the SmackDown shut your mouth variation of the Execution was always one of my favorites. Mm. It was that, and then also the fact that his uh, his briefly used submission move was called the Educator. Just oh, excellent. That's 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 like good. That's just leaning into it. I love yeah, it. That's what you got to do. <laughs> Okay, so before, just before he uh, uh, he starts making waves and get the attention of WWF, he actually worked with uh, Cage or Christian in Japan, but they were known as the Canadian Rockers. And he had two TV tapings for WCW in 1996, where he faced off against, if I remember correctly, he faced off against. Uh, let me just bring this up. This is terrible. Uh, the Taskmaster and Haku. <laughs> Damn. Crubs, you've got to have a death wish if you're going to like try and make an impression of WCW and like you having a squash match with Haku. Jeez. <laughs> Do I impress or live? That, if he lives, then he's definitely going to make an impression. Because it's one or the other. Yeah, like that's it. Like you, you, your options are die or like survive, but like don't be impressive. Because <laughs> I think if any if anyone in the world is not going to take someone like messing about, I can imagine Haku's up on the list. Indeed, mm. indeed. So it was around this time. Actually, I think it might have been the year previous, where uh, I believe it was Edge had uh, caught the eye of Bret Hart's uh, man- business manager. Uh, being thoroughly impressed with him, he actually showed a tape to Bret Hart, who in turn then, I believe, showed that tape to uh, WWF. Edge didn't hear back, but I think it was sometime later the manager told him, after being employed as the president of the Canadian branch of WWF, told Edge that he'd put in a good word. And so after a couple of like house shows and TV tapings and uh, job uh, matches here and there, he landed himself a contract in 1997 and faced off against Christian, funny enough, in a Shotgun Saturday taping, <laughs> which apparently was very rarely seen, but could be watched on Edge's um, uh, documentary DVD that came out in 2008. Oh. All right, let me just search up that immediately. <laughs> uh, so I yeah. can find this one niche match from like 1997. <laughs> the, now, the one, the one Christian match you haven't watched either. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> correct, I believe, and people in the comments uh, or on Twitter, correct me if I'm wrong, but he was tr- wrestling at this time as Sexton Hardcastle. Uh, before even more reason for me to go and find it exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, just but, pull uh... up uh, eBay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But it was at this time as well, shortly after that, in 1998, they started showing the, I would say, the now iconic uh, vignettes hyping up Edge's promo, uh, uh, Edge's debut, I should say. And it was the whole kind of like uh, the the character. It wasn't 100% sure. Even Edge didn't know what the character was about. But it was looking like it was going to be like a, a tortured soul um, kind of uh, on the brink of sanity going about in the streets of New York beating people up being generally moody as all heck and being edgy as heck hence the name Edge have you seen these debut uh, these vignettes because they are amazing to watch I have not actually Uh, I have they use these vignettes as actually his entrance video and some of the sound clip hits actually of the narration was done by a female voice but it's where the famous you think you know me line came from right it's really it's like it's really weird like what the character looked like it was going to be uh, because it's it's very 90s but at the same time you get the feeling that was this a creation that someone maybe Vince Russo just thought off the top of his head and then thought figured out oh wait how do we make this guy what what kind of character do we give this guy? Mm. Well, it's it sounds like kind of oddly specific, but in a weird way, it kind of makes me think of Raven. I I get the impression that that Vince, but Russo like also saw at Raven. that time, Raven mm. existed and he was called Raven. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that does make me wonder if 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 Russo or Vince or anyone that created Team Saw was just Raven like we fought. need Raven, but not Raven though, because we don't like him. Yeah, because <laughs> he's try he's too good, damn it. And besides, he <laughs> was Johnny Polo else. a few years ago, and we don't want bring Johnny Polo back. That's mm. true. <laughs> but uh, no, um, it is like. Going back to those vignettes is so nineties, but it's so amazing at the same time because he's in a trench coat, he's wearing a leather, he's like he's he's le- wearing leather everything, <laughs> and he's screaming into the void and mugging people or beating people up in the streets of Brooklyn. <laughs> Who got that tape of me? <laughs> <laughs> Dan, Dan, what were you doing no. in nineteen ninety eight, sir? <laughs> Uh, I was one. <laughs> <laughs> Christ, you make me feel one, old because I remember one, these videos. One, year, one, you've made a, a section of our listeners feel very old. Two, yes. and now I'm just imagining baby Dan all levered up. <laughs> wandering the streets of your people. Doing spears to people. <laughs> oh my god. Alright, so this leads us to his first televised match. Oh boy! <laughs> against Jose Estrada from Los Borriquas. Remember Savio Vega's faction? Hell yeah, Savio Vega! Wow. But uh, yes, Edge was uh, again being that very loner character, brooding, tortured soul. He came running through the, made his entrance through the crowd, running through the crowd, jumping the guardrail, and and then sliding in to have a very quick two-minute match, which wasn't supposed to be two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Because unfortunately, uh, during the match, uh, Edge uh, builds up a uh, you know wind of steam, uh, uh, throws Estrada out of the ring, um, and then goes and does a somersault plancher, but kind of um, hits Estrada uh, in the head, 
injuring his neck and actually i think put him out of commission for the uh not only for the match but for his entire career actually Ooh. yeah i think it i think it was like it was a i mean it was a very serious neck injury but i think it said like estrada basically couldn't really wrestle afterwards for a good amount of time yeah, so if, if memory serves me correct, and and from Edge himself, it wasn't a broken neck, but it was a pinched nerve. Um, yeah, uh, mm. that kind of snapped, oh, not snapped, but kind of when his neck snapped in that weird way when he got when his leg hit his head. Um, yeah, it's a shame, and I think you can if you go back to watch that match, you can see the look of sheer disappointment and the, and 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 uh, just horror when you think oh fuck i've just messed up my debut oh shit i hope he's all right but shit i've messed up my debut <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah it was at this time as well when he's in his debut not a bad debut and i think if anything as we said this showed that they were willing to put the work in or they saw something in edge because if you were willing mm. to hype him up that much in a time when uh even Edge said that they weren't doing promo packages for wrestlers coming in. Uh, they did, like, you know, back in the day for uh, Mr. Perfect. And, well, like, and yeah, it, it, it did It did happen, but, like, it took it someone rare. important to yeah. get, like, vignettes for, like, weeks leading up to it. So they definitely, you know. Yeah, they definitely saw something in Edge. Um, it's just a shame that creative didn't have anything for him because his next match would be in SummerSlam uh, being revealed as Sable's mystery tag team partner against Jacqueline and Mark Miro. That's an interesting combination. That's that's an interesting sentence right there. (laughs) Yeah. I I can't believe I just repeated repeated saying that. (laughs) But uh, um, After that, he would then go on to face Owen Hart. Um... He would then defeat Vader in Vader's last WWF match on a Sunday Night Heat. Oh, damn. And then in WWF Capital Carnage, that London pay-per-view, he faced Tiger Ali Singh, which he lost. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) And thus we get to... Beating Vader, losing to Tiger Ali Singh. (laughs) You can't see my hands, but you know what I'm doing. Exactly. (laughs) It's the Jackie Chan meme, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I've got one hand really high up and the other one really low down. <laughs> so, I'm glad that we got through all of that nonsense because we get to his first highlight, really. He was teaming with Christian and and the Brood. Um, uh, I'd just like to take over for a mo- I would just like to take over for a moment to say this, and we're talking about themes, and the brood theme is fucking amazing. <laughs> oh, oh, come on, let's let's be honest. We've said this already, and we need to be. We've said, said this already, but I, I need to reiterate for any new listeners: <laughs> brood's the brood's theme is amazing. <laughs> so, who was Gangrel? Gangrel was basically a vampire. That was his whole gimmick. He came to the that ring, was literally it, <laughs> rising from the depths of hell with a goblet of what uh, JR would call red viscous fluid. Yeah. It is yeah. also worth saying, Gangrel still works now. <laughs> yeah, he, he's freaky. He is Regularly. freaky. And, and considered like... one of the loveliest guys in wrestling. Yeah, people have said that he's one of the, like, the nicest people to work with and he's all about like um, helping young talent. Good 
for them. Exactly, exactly. But it was at this time... Shame about his voice, though, but... Yeah. yeah. Which we'll get to, trust we'll me. We'll get to. We'll get to we'll in get a second to. with this. But uh, this, the rivalry started when Edge would occasionally sit in the rafters during Gangrel's matches. And then Gangrel, one week, came out with another person who kind of looked like him. But it turns out that it was actually Edge's brother, Christian. And, of course, his old tag partner from back in the Canadian Indies. Um, apparently Edge, or Adam, I should say, or whoever or whatever he was going by, but Edge put in a good word to Vince about Christian, and that's what got him a contract with WWF, was just purely his word and a couple of tapes of matches that they both had together. As he should, and it was a Indeed. good decision. Um, <laughs> Even if bad decisions were made along the way. <laughs> yeah. So this was supposed to start a rivalry between Gangrel and, and Edge, but eventually, I think the story just ended up being that uh, Gangrel and Christian convinced him to join them, and then they formed yeah. the Brood, yeah. uh, which was an amazing kind of trio. And as we said, yeah, it was, was so such great. a good theme. Um, but of course, with the good comes the bad, and uh, we've got to talk about their first—well, not not their first, but when they f- went to the Ministry of Darkness. Now. I think Gangrel has gone on record of saying it. It was probably the one of the worst mistakes they could have made um, for both Edge and Christian because they were red hot and they were getting yeah. quite good reactions as the Brood. But yeah. when they got thrown into the Ministry because it was like, oh look, we got a dark, scary group. Let's throw them with the dark, scary faction. It yeah. kind of took away the shine a bit. Well, because in my mind, if you have dark spooky faction and dark spooky faction just have them fight yeah which is what they were doing as a matter yeah. of fact um and like, then one day they were revealed to be the newest disciples for for cult undertaker like, yeah. why, oh, why, yeah. why why complicate um, it let me just do a very very quick um pokedex on, <laughs> on the ministry of darkness oh. just very very oh, okay. very quickly so have i got like two minutes <laughs> no, no, just very quickly the ministry of darkness was a stable run by the undertaker and they were a pseudo satanic group and um they're very 90s <laughs> they are very 90s pseudo satanic do you remember that they sacrificed um one of the godwins on the apron and then had Undertaker speaking in tongues and then he became Midian. I did Didn't not forget. Correct me if I'm wrong. I may think of the wrong thing, but didn't they put someone on a cross? They put Austin on a cross. There yeah. we go. Because <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know Raven did, a, did, a, did that as well. but <laughs> <laughs> Which almost um, made Kurt Angle not want to wrestle, may I add. Yes. <laughs> Which is understandable. Understandable. But, um, yeah, I do remember something involving them and a cross. So, yes, just think, like, 90s, like, goth vampire aesthetic, and then, like, just add in extra 90s goth. It's what everyone thought a Marilyn Manson concert entailed. Yeah, pretty much, actually. Pretty much. Why didn't they bring in Marilyn Manson for it? Oh, to be fair, it's probably the media heat. Mind you, they did have the the PTC was running around. They did have the beautiful people not only as the theme for SmackDown, but they did have it for a very short while as the theme to Raw. Yeah, I can, I can, I can understand that. 
<laughs> I mean, Raw has an interesting history of themes, so... That is very true. Man, we could get into that, but we're, we're talking about Edge. So yeah, let us quickly are. get straight back to Edge about this. So it was after they had broken off from the Brood after that... Um, do you remember that... Uh, they gave like Christian several lashings after he made like a, a like a monumental mistake during a match. They kind of um, Undertaker strung him up by the arms and then gave him like several lashings. Okay, because I remember there was there was there was that, and then there was the thing where like Christian got beaten the hell out of by I think it was Ken Shamrock. <laughs> yes. Yes. I can't remember if those two things were connected, though. <laughs> I believe they were. I believe they were. And I believe that the, that, that, that was kind of like the, the catalyst. Because it was they... like Christian got like beaten up by Ken Shamrock and then something happened. And then the Undertaker was like, you betrayed me, so now you need to pay. And then like started like using a like hung him up by his arms and like whipped him or something. Yes, yes. And thus they broke 90s off. 90s wrestling, by the way. <laughs> we, yeah, we're still talking about wrestling. We're still talking about Edge. This is yeah, like, that's the thing. It's like, the, yes, all these things are related as weird as they sound. <laughs> um, wrestling but, is weird. We warned you weird. at the very first episode, we warned you. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, this is when they broke off. And now, as I say, we come to one of the worst parts. Where the good comes the bad. Uh, we talk about their debut, not debut, I'd say their very first talking promo. Just so unfortunate. Now, so unfair. This is this is chronicled in Brian Zane's top list of uh, worst promos. If you haven't seen it, go out of your way to find it. But it's just a gosh darn shame that Gangrel has that voice that he has because it just doesn't sound right when it comes out. And he sounds so nervous when he's giving out this kind of like promo about them finding uh, like uh, pleasure in, in pain and all this like uh, uh, dark twisted stuff. Then uh, I think it was Michael Hayes that was giving the promo or doing the interview. He takes the mic over to Christian. Christian leans into the mic, says nothing and walks off. But I want to bring this up because Edge, who we know and throughout the years has been known to cut an amazing promo, sounds awful in this promo. Oh, no. Um, you know, there's, there's the phrase where it's like, you can tell someone's green, but like, <laughs> what's the next level of that? <laughs> because he sounded just so... Confu- I don't even know if it was confused or nervous or just like didn't know what to do. He sounded like he was born yesterday. <laughs> he sounded like someone had dragged him off the street and put him in an outfit and put him in the ring and like go. I'll be honest, he does sound at times like a generic movie villain or like horror villain. Uh, yeah. All he needs is a twirly mustache because it's the smile that he has in that promo when he goes, <laughs> "The power lies within us, and it's up to us to find it." <laughs> uh, yeah, so... But it was shortly after that that they broke off from Gangrel and then formed uh, their own duo, Edge and Christian, which we get to oh, yeah. this chunk of time of two thousand to two thousand and two where, holy crud, Edge was putting in the work and then some. 
I love this because to go for and now we can just ask now I can ask the question to you guys which of the iconics is going to be the edge <laughs> which one <laughs> oh god oh I've, I've, I've... Peyton Royce yeah oh you think well, I mean, if if the rumblings are to be believed, apparently they have more faith in Peyton Royce than they do Billy Kay, which is stupid because they're both just as great as each other. Yes. Mm. But, I mean, like, they're the iconic, so, like, stand forever. Yeah, we are. This is this is a... Um, this iconic is an iconic stand, stand podcast. <laughs> absolutely. We are talking about Edge, but also the iconics. Though. But also the iconics. Those are the two iconic. Those are the two subjects we talk about on this podcast. <laughs> so, well, I'm not allowed to talk about Rhea Ripley anymore. So, yeah, you, you, there's you like a, there's a 60 second time limit we give you now for Rhea Ripley, Dan. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it was during this time that not only did Edge capture his first Intercontinental Championship. But of course, Edge and Christian would go on to mold their characters and be known for the trademark five-second pose. Now, here's the thing, right? I think this just speaks to the ability that they carried with them, that they got this over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. literally just stood still in the ring for five seconds, didn't talk, and people were like, yes, this is incredible. How it's they just... got over a line, the line for the benefit of those with flash photography is beyond me. I cannot. It, 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 it amazes me that they got that line over. It's... Sorry, as a side note as well, because you mentioned him winning the Intercontinental title just because it's funny and it makes me laugh. He did beat Jeff Jarrett for it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. We can't escape <laughs> Jeff Jarrett, can we? <laughs> <laughs> it's just amazing. No, with the, I think um, this era of Edge really kind of puts an emphasis on something that's really interesting about Edge is that he's also like really funny. Like, oh, yeah. Really oh, yes. funny. An absolute goofball, which we will. To be fair, it's a side thing as well, because we have to mention of Edge and Christian, they had to come up with their own move specifically using chairs for a very specific match format and they yes. got that over and now it's a staple in wwe oh yeah yeah with the, with also continuing the theme of great move names the concerto oh, just mwah. Mwah. Oh, oh man nothing i'm but, um, glad you... no like edge is hilarious yeah i'm and glad him and christian up, were great for physical comedy i'm glad you brought that up as well with the concerto because it brings me on to the tag team division and i want to make this a little block here they mm. came in at a, probably the most perfect time uh in wwf and their boom for the of the tag team uh, scene mm. as a whole um because it was around this time that of course everyone remembers the first big amazing match that uh, edge and christian had was at no mercy in a ladder match against the hardy boys for the managerial services of terry runnels and $100,000 in cash. Uh, everyone who knows or remembers this match from Ni uh, No Mercy 1999, uh, I, I recommend anyone to go back and watch it. I believe it is actually on YouTube, so go out of your way to watch it. It is an incredible match. They tore the 
house down. And this was the precursor to what we would get further down the line. Um, but I remember that match, at, I think it was the Raw afterwards, that the, that the Hardys and Edge and Christian shook hands in a show and a sign of respect for putting on one of the best damn matches I think up until that point anyone had seen. I think that match revolutionised the uh, the ladder match because at that time I think no, that it... the precursor or the standard, the gold standard had been Michaels versus Ramon at WrestleMania mm. 10 and no one had topped that at that point and then those and those two teams came along and absolutely st- stole the show um, so we will fast forward to 2000 and to Wrestlemania 2000 where we get the yeah. first the first, I guess you could say, unofficial TLC match. But this was a triangle ladder match for the Tag Team Championships. It was Edge and Christian versus the Hardys versus the Dudleys. Now, all three of these teams, of course, had their like their signature weapon. We had the Hardys with the ladders, we had the Dudleys with the tables, and Edge and Christian with the chairs, and of course their patented concerto. Now... I watched this match. I think I had my brother had recorded it on a on a VHS tape the night before, and I remember just uh, uh, waking up the next day after WrestleMania 2000. Went to school, went back home, and immediately watched WrestleMania 2000. Because um, I had heard from my mates that this match was incredible. But what are your feelings? What was your first thoughts and feelings if you've ever seen this match? What what, what were your feelings towards this? Um, well, um, my first feelings, I just want to point out that that match now has majority Hall of Famers. Mm. <laughs> or, yep. at least, or at least like a 50-50 split, I think. Yeah. I think yeah, because yeah. it's Edge and, of course, the Dudley Boys. So... And let's face it, the Hardy Boys will eventually get in. Yes. yes. So it is. I don't think there's anything more that needs to be said. There's a reason why I I like they're they're basically the some of the the greatest tag teams all together in a match they all invented together. There's not much like need to be said. Just go and watch that fucking match. Yeah, it's just like incredible it just shows how they took it to such a higher level than anyone really had before i think the the potential for the format was kind of realized yeah and just like it's insane some of the stuff that they were willing to do it's it's the equipment it's the closest i think i closest i think wwe will ever get to making a mad max match basically Yeah, it's basically pure destruction everywhere. Yeah, these guys, they took bumps and then some. And uh, the amazing thing about this this match, as I said, it was only a ladder match. Because, mm. I mean, we know what happens after this. But uh, amazingly, the result of this match, I think a lot of people tend to forget as well, is that Edge and Christian won this match. Yes. Yeah. Um, which again, I think it surprised a lot of people because I think a lot of people were looking at seeing, uh, looking at the Hardys winning this because 
God, they were white hot at this time as well. Just like, if you want to talk about nuclear hot, two of the most popular people in WWF, it was Matt and Jeff. Mm. Um, but yes, this ultimately led to the creation of the TLC match. I'm gonna fast forward it because there was a lot of jostling of the of the tag titles here and there between these three teams, as well as two call as well. Because who could forget two call? <laughs> uh, but we're gonna fast forward to WrestleMania two, uh, WrestleMania seventeen, I should say. Um, holy moly, this match, this match on this event, which is still considered the greatest WrestleMania of all time, for rightly so, frankly. Yeah. What a TLC match! <laughs> Just when I... you thought you couldn't get what you couldn't get any more violent and crazy in WrestleMania two thousand. Yeah, I love this match it's i mean in terms of tlc matches it it's kind of 50 50 between this and SummerSlam 2000 yeah mm. but like this match is so good oh it's, man it's like it, it it was like wrestlemania 17 is the culmination of everything great about the attitude era yeah and this match is no exception. It's just... Oh, man, what a masterpiece. What a masterpiece, man. And it's weird how this one, which Edge and Christian won again, this would this was basically the progenitor for Edge's singles push. Um, yeah. Before we get to that part, I want to talk about some of the most amazing things and the most amazing bumps including the most amazing bump Edge took in this match. So spears, impalers from the top ropes, table spots, concertos, left, right and centre. Being, I think it was Christian that was Dudley dogged by Spike Dudley onto a table. But everyone, everyone who you talk to about this match remembers the spear to Jeff Hardy uh, with a hanging Jeff Hardy Hanging by the tag belts with no ladder, ladder below him, Edge on top of a humongous ladder jumps, spears Jeff off and down into the into the canvas. That is a bump I would not want to take. It uh, is. Oh. I I think about that bump a lot because when you watch it. It kind of sneaks up on you how utterly insane that bump is, just because of like, and I think it's just because of the actual camera shot used. Yeah, yes. the camera Ooh. shot is weirdly um, looking down, <clears throat> so it doesn't look as crazy because it kind of looks like, oh, well, he's only halfway up the ladder. Yeah, and you know, it's like, oh, Jeff Hardy doesn't look that far off. Um, the funny thing, people were like, oh my god, how must have it felt for Jeff Hardy taking that bump? I just want to think about Edge's knees. Yeah! Well, mm. Edge has gone on record of saying that he basically took a DDT. Yeah. Um, yeah. With that spear. And I think he's, be- I believe he's also gone on record in saying that that unfortunately would lead to the start of his neck problems, that bump. I mean, if there was ever a bump to start it. <laughs> <laughs> to be blunt about it <laughs> it would have most likely have been that one though for sure uh, 
But uh, on a lighter note, as I said, this this match definitely was the beginning of uh, of something special for Edge because it was at this time that not only did he win the two thousand and one King of the Ring, um, he became face as well, siding with the WWF during the Invasion storyline. It was also at this time yep. that Christian had betrayed him um, and joined, I believe, joined. WCW at that time and then he was feuding over the and they led to a feud over the Intercontinental Championship um, he also had won the United States Championship at this time as well and mm-hmm. he was looking to uh, again be a, good, a big person in the mid card because he was the one that unified the US and Intercontinental Championships at Survivor Series mm-hmm. Um it was also at this time that uh, back in 2002 that he was starting to make waves. He had an amazing match uh, with uh, with William Regal uh, at No Way Out in a brass knuckles on a pole match. Uh, I say it was good. It was actually not that bad. I mean, because I think Edge and Regal worked really well together. But hmm. um, it comes at this time as well that... Uh, that he had a match at WrestleMania 18 against Booker T. Now, do you two remember the stipulation for this match? I, despite um, being a heavy Booker T stand, do not. Uh, well, all right, I need, I need to. I need to remember. It's Edge versus Booker T at um, 18. Yes. Mm. Was it? Was it a title contract? No. <laughs> what? Do you want to know? Was it for? It for the, it um, was. Oh, I can't remember her name. What's her name? It wasn't what, like, what, a, like a, a Lita or something. Oh, okay. It was to be the spokesperson and face for a fictitious Japanese shampoo commercial. <laughs> 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 and this thus begins comedy. Attitude age. era, by the way. And this does begin Comedy Edge because we then get on to the amazing rivalry he had with Kurt Angle, which led to the hair versus hair match at Judgment. Yes. Day. Oh my God, that's right. He's the reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, if you guys remember, there was an amazing segment between him and Kurt Angle where Edge had some like pictures, like ten by eight pictures of Kurt Angle, and he was showing Angle, and they had written. Stuff on the back that's like I have I I have no yes. testicles. Yes, yes, yes. I do remember that. I remember that very vividly. Is so I, I again, Edge physical comedy. They work great together. I'm kind of astounded because now that I remember, I'm like, is Edge the Forrest Gump of the WWE? <laughs> because <laughs> because seriously, like we're gonna get to, we're gonna obviously gonna get some money in the bank, but. In, but got Christian, invent, helped invent the TLC, helped Kurt Angle famously have no hair, invented the concerto, and was the popularized the, the Yakaboshi shampoo. What is what is going on? <laughs> Jesus Christ! All right, let's not forget as well at this time that he came out to uh, to Rob Zombie as well. So not a That's bad thing, right. but we didn't see the true evolution of, of Edge. Mm. We moment. weren't quite there yet. We're not quite there. Um, so we'll, we'll speed up a little bit here we, as we get to 2005. So he had, if you remember, he had a tag team uh, with Hogan. Yes. He also had a tag team 
with Rey Mysterio. Um, I'm just trying to remember that uh, during the Hulk Hogan one, um, they lost it to were they called like it was the like was it like the Canadians? Yes. Oh no, the Un-Americans. The Un-Americans. That Not was Storm it. And, and it was where um, yeah. That's it. That Dude, was a heck of a love moment. that tag team. <laughs> if I remember rightly, of the Un-Americans, it was Christian Lance Storm, Test, and William Regal. That's a good stable. <laughs> if I could Jeez. be serious for a minute. Uh, but no, it was also at this time, as I said, a speed along, that Edge did have uh, some injuries. He suffered a, a neck injury. Uh, his neck was playing up quite a lot and he missed a lot of 2003 and 2004 um, if I remember rightly he came back shortly after Wrestlemania 20 being drafted to Raw mm. um, it was at this time that he was kind of being pushed up to the upper mid card um, he was facing off against Kane he was also facing off against guys like uh, Benoit um, Randy Orton, Jericho, and Batista for the Intercontinental Championship, as well. But again, he would be—he uh, was making slowly, slowly building up his repertoire. But um, you could see bits of his character start to change. He was—he was going back to that sort of tortured soul kind of thing because he was starting to get a bit obsessive at being in the main event picture. Um, if I remember rightly, it was. Uh, I think it might have been he might have been teaming. Uh, teaming with Benoit, I think, for, against La Resistance. Um, but it was at the time that he left Benoit, abandoned um, Benoit, and wanted to get to the World Heavyweight Championship. So he interfered in that in in a world heavyweight championship match, costing Michaels the championship, if I believe. So, uh, yes. So this is where it starts to form as we get closer and closer, and it was also at this uh, time that he replaced. If the I if zombies. I remember correctly, it was at one of my favorite shows ever, Taboo Tuesday. Yes. Yes. Mm. And Cyber Sunday. <laughs> oh gosh. Yes. Which then they ended up kind of canning all together because they were still kind of like kayfabing it the the, the audience vote if i remember yeah. right yeah but uh no at this time he ditched rob zombie and of course made the amazing decision to uh have metalingus <sighs> bridge yes yeah boy because i think he's actually really good friends with miles kennedy and was just that like that wouldn't surprise me he was like can i use your fame i was like yeah sure go for it and oh boy did he use his feet? And with that, Alter Bridge gained like a huge chunk of their <laughs> fan base. Oh man. I remember Edge coming out to that for the first time and he was coming out to flames instead of like the smoke that he walks out. Yeah. Ah. Um Dude, can I just say his combination on the entrance with the smoke and the pyro is amazing. Mm. Yeah. I love it so much. Without oh, yeah. question. And so we get to the rated R superstar. And we get for, and we start with WrestleMania 21 and the Money in the Bank ladder match. Mm. Wow. So, <sighs> it's weird that this match, at face value, didn't seem to be all that. Really, when you think about it, you had the guys that were having nothing happen to them get this opportunity. We had 
uh, Edge, Jericho, Benoit, Shelton Benjamin, Christian, uh, and Kane in this match. Uh, actually, no, I will say Tyson Tomko as well, but he was only the ma- being the manager and the heavy for Christian at this time. <laughs> but uh, this match, man, I think blew everyone's expectations out of the water. I mean, there's a reason why it's a pay-per-view now. Yeah, I mean, it. a lot of it you could tell is they were kind of figuring things out. Mm-hmm. You know, they weren't quite there with the the match format and as i as stan stan be corrected but you did only say six people's names right i believe so Who else? yeah yeah and where it became an, it became an eight man um mm. match i believe at the next either the next time or the time after yes. that they did it um uh, yeah but um yeah, you could tell that like a lot of it was kind of figuring out the match type and how things were even going to bloody work. We're having six people in a ladder match trying to grab a briefcase. Yeah. Um, but I mean, they just really went to went to town and were just like, "Yeah, this is what we're gonna do, and we're gonna show it." Especially when you have people in there like Benoit, who I wouldn't normally associate with a ladder match. Yeah, <laughs> that's very true. I'll be honest though. I think, like with that, I think Benoit. Rarely was in leather matches, but he was always in matches with Jericho, and they bought the best out of each other in those sorts of uh, mm, match that's types. True. Can I? Can you think of a match more and more like more important than that match in the last twenty years? No. Uh, maybe. I mean, like maybe contextually, but in it as its own thing for what it meant for the company. Mm. And for Edge himself, probably not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I think they, I think it was the right call. I mean, because because Edge was was being booed, but yeah. it was never at the levels he would soon get to. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Gonna, if I'm if I'm jumping ahead, is this the time of Edge and Leader? That would be a couple of months later. Okay, because um, if I remember rightly, um, it was the whole thing to do with the Kane and Lita angle, and Matt Hardy yeah, that was, was trying weird to one. save Lita, <laughs> and then soon enough, that kind of uh, took a back seat when the whole backstage thing was uh, revealed that uh, Lita <laughs> was in a relationship with Edge. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say for for those who are listening that don't know the context behind the the names. Uh, Edge, Matt Hardy, and Lita. It's a, it's a story. <laughs> it's a heck of a story. It's, it's something. Story. Matt being released, Matt spouting quite a bit online, especially to their online, the WWE's online show when Lita was a guest there. Matt being reinstated, and then this whole kayfabe line blurring happening, uh, which saw a big rivalry between Matt and Edge. Um, but it did it did produce probably the most nuclear heat I think I have ever seen a heel have because people genuinely hated Edge. Yeah. I have never seen a crowd, and I remember it this time as well, vividly, a crowd absolutely want to see a man killed. (laughs) Yeah. Because I think... What's really amazing about Edge as well is that not only did he embrace that, he, he took it to a le- he took it to a level no one ever thought it could have been. 
No. So um, he wanted it. That's the thing. Absolutely. And it worked. I mean, let's be honest. It worked because people were talking about Edge. He was the big draw of WWE. And man, he was well on his way. I think that was what cemented, right, right, this man is this man is main event material. Mm. And I think what I loved about this run as well was that he was so unpredictable about when he was going to cash in that briefcase because he held that on held on to that for quite a little while um it was up until january of 2006 i believe he held that um briefcase because it was new year's revolution just after a a hellacious uh uh, elimination chamber match that uh, he cashed that one in on john cena and won john cena's greatest opponent without question it was, after, yeah. it was after this, though, and I want to bring this up very quickly as well, because we'll get into John Cena as well, that it mm. was after this that he had the live sex celebration with Lisa. Yeah, that was a whole oh, thing. that was a thing. Which that we was a not thing. If you remember, Shelton <laughs> Benjamin and Ric Flair interfered in that. Yeah. Thanks, Shelton Benjamin and Ric Flair. Yeah, cheers for, cheers for that, mate. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and then John Cena came out, of course, and F. Fu'd Edge. Um, oh yeah, no, no, no Fu'd Lita actually. Yeah, he did um, Fu Lita. Ah <laughs> uh, yes, before it was called the Attitude Adjustment. Indeed. Now, Edge did not hold on to this title for very long because it was. I think it was a raw a couple of weeks later that uh, Cena had regained that title, um, and the special guest referee was Mick Foley. And this started a, 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 a hellacious rivalry between Edge and Mick Foley, which leads us to WrestleMania 22 in one of the best hardcore matches in WrestleMania in, in WrestleMania history. Oh, is this? The, oh, I was gonna say, is this the one with the uh, the flaming table spot? But that Absolutely. doesn't really. I mean, a for Mick Foley, that doesn't really narrow it down, and for Edge, <laughs> basically does narrow it down to exactly that one match. <laughs> yeah. This. Yeah. This is. This is that famous spot, which, fun fact, um, both of them suffered second-degree burns because they opted not to have anti-flame material being applied to the table. Oh, my God. Um, and that is... I mean, we t- uh, this this rivalry was, was, was something, and I, I really did like this rivalry a lot because it was all about, like, Edge saying that you're not a hardcore legend, you cost me the WWE Championship, I'm going to take everything from you of who you were um and that match poor man did they do that and then some but it was after that if you remember that foley and edge had an alliance together i mean like i think the the quick thing i've got to throw in here is like edge and mick foley two of like considered incredible level workers and like incredible people in the pantheon of wrestling yeah uh, to be honest question. to be honest with that match i don't think about the the chair tables the chair the flaming table spot i don't i think about i think about the barbed wire chest i just like oh yes oh, god because it yeah. cut edge's arm up something so fierce. basically so for those of you who don't know who are listening <laughs> it's quite it's quite simple but horrifying <laughs> Yeah. Edge lined up a spear against Mick Foley. And he does it 
and then immediately writhes in the most pain I've seen a person have <laughs> up until that point. Oh. To which, mm. to to which Mick Foley rips off his shirt and realized that he has covered his chest in barbed wire. So he went full force into barbed wire. Ow. 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 <clears throat> and the thing is, it would only get worse from here because they would end up having a uh, a hardcore tag team match at, uh, at ECW One Night Stand. It was uh, Mick Foley and Edge versus... Terry Funk and Tommy Dreamer, which then turned into a six-man tag team match because Lita and Tommy Dreamer's wife Beulah McGillicutty were added to the match as well. Uh, I bring this up only because the ending of the match saw um, Edge straddle Beulah in a very suggestive position oh, for the pin. Yeah. Uh, but this match is bloody as all heck and of course is very famous for the very Terry Funk spot of Oh my eye! My eye! <laughs> I mean, the first thing we have to say is we have uh, Mick Foley, Tommy Dreamer, and Terry Funk all in the same space. Yep. Yeah. So, like, blood is just, like, a given. <laughs> yep. Because I'm fairly what? sure that, like, Terry Funk just starts bleeding the moment he, like, falls over. <laughs> yep. Blood is definitely compulsory ta- in that match. He'll, he'll gig on, like, a DDT. <laughs> Do you want to explain gigging for those that don't know the term? Oh, God. I think I'll let you take that one. Uh, Pokedex. uh, Gigging. uh, Wrestlers making themselves bleed, either through some kind of, like, implement, because it has changed from various wrestler to wrestler on which they prefer, (laughs) Um, or instructing another wrestler to do something to them, normally like a, a shoot punch or shoot elbows to actually legitimately make them bleed. But normally gigging itself refers to like using a razor blade to like I don't know, do a cut on the forehead or something. So you're yeah. bleeding after a move. Yeah. Also com- more commonly known as blading. Blading, yeah. And all sorts of different synonyms, but I digress. Yeah, Terry, <laughs> Terry Funk and Tommy Dreamer, especially, were like known for just doing it on everything. <laughs> uh, that yeah. being said, Mick though, Foley as well. <laughs> that being said, though, love love all three of them. I I, oh, I, I have nothing bad to ever say about Tommy Dreamer as well. He's awesome. No, they're great. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think the only thing we will say about Terry Funk is, for goodness' sake, man, please just retire and stay retired. <laughs> You've earned it. You don't Depends, I think he's on his like twelfth at this point now, yes. maybe the nineteenth. He <laughs> will never retire, and that, oh. we just have to deal with that. Okay. He'll retire when he's actually dead, <laughs> and even then, it's questionable. Oh crumbs! This oh, we could be talking about Terry Funk or Ric Flair. Uh, anyway, <laughs> this brings me. Oh, to excessively this... bleeding, Ric Flair. There you go. There we go. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I'm off track. <laughs> We're going way off track. Uh, no, this brings me to the the penultimate section, I'm going to call it. Edge versus Cena. Oh, holy crumbs. What a rivalry these two had. Um, and if, so good. if I'm being honest, I can sum it up in this way, is that John Cena needed a good villain, and he got the best villain that he could possibly have ever asked for in Edge. Yeah. Well, I mean, like that's the thing. It's like when you're. I mean, he. I think. I think 
John Cena transcended beyond the bounds of the term babyface, mm. like ultimate babyface. The only place you can really go is with a person that people like want to murder viscerally hate. Mm. And I think if I mean for the time and where they were, there was basically no one better than Edge to pick, really. Nope. And yeah. Like vehicles. some of the matches these guys had, TLC matches. Oh, that one. That one, if I remember rightly, the one in Unforgiven, which was actually in Toronto. Yes. The the, the fame, my personal favorite, where he. As, especially during the lead up to was it that the lead up yeah the famous lead up where he threw where John Cena threw Edge into the river yes the Long Island uh, the Long Island Sound match I believe that was I believe uh, yeah yeah um, which is seared into my brain as much as any moment in wrestling that that match you're speaking of specifically is Edge. Straight up saying to Cena, I am giving you the most disadvantages I possibly can. We're going to <laughs> yep. we're going to go on my home turf, Toronto, Canada, and we're going to be having a match that up and at that point he had never ever lost. Yeah. Which was tables, ladders, and chairs. Yeah. Uh at this time we also had the uh rated R spinner belt. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. I don't like the spinner belt, and I know a lot of people sh uh, poop on that version, but honestly, I really liked that version. I think it suited Edge. Yeah. I think, I think for what it was trying to serve, and like showing, like, hey, you should hate this guy, so by taking John Cena's spinner belt and just sticking his logo in the middle, I think that's that's prime heel move. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I I am a apologist for the spinner belt, so I adore the rated R spinner belt. <laughs> I cannot believe that title design stood fast for nearly 10, was it over 10 years? Yeah! Somewhere around that. Whereas, like, the greatest belt design the WWE's ever had, which is, of course, the Undisputed title, only lasted for about three. Funny, that. This is a side question. How long did they have the... Uh, I mean, it goes by, like, five different names. They call it the Winged Eagle or Big Eagle oh, belt. Oh, the Big Eagle one from 98 to 2002. Dude, wow. I love that. See? Didn't even last, it didn't even last as long... That even lasts as long as the spinner belt. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like if we sum up Cena and Edge in one word, um, true. It's no, no, that's two words. But it's iconic, and I think it is. Yeah. I think it's the true peak uh, of the ruthless aggression era. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It just showed everything that they were about, and it was, like you just had two people who were willing to go into the ring, beat the hell out of each other, and then like that—that that was it. It was like, okay, that's settled then. Yeah, and of course, and of course, thrown and get themselves thrown into a literal column of tables, dear lord. <laughs> oh yeah, it was oh. like um, yeah, he did the. That's well, yeah, because there were there were there were two spots because there was the one where he did the. Fu or AA, I can't remember what it was called at that point. It was the FU through like through like two or three tables. The one I remember though was um the 
the STF while he was in the ladder. Yeah. Because the faces that they are pulling are hilarious. (laughs) Now, (laughs) if you see like a cutaway from it, it looks amazing. (laughs) Now, fun fact about that, Edge uh, was legitimately choked out. And, oh and, and actually was out cold in uh, uh, when he was when he had that STF applied to him. Oh shit! Holy crap! Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, that was the first time he had ever been knocked out during a match. Oh my god! Holy I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I didn't know that. Now that yeah, a little known fact, but apparently he did he did go on record as to saying that he literally blacked out. That that makes it even freaking scarier. That spot. Jesus. I know it. Ma- it makes it scary, and it just makes me wonder, like, even oh. John Cena fell. <laughs> All right then. So let us go through a quick fire little retrospective leading up to 2011. So. Rated RKO when he forms a tag team with uh, Great team. to take down DX. Great tag team. team. Just absolutely brilliant. And I think the... Dude, they had the... Um... I'm trying to remember what it was. They had the double submission where the one of them would... each one of them would take a leg. Oh, the... Um... Oh. Were it double sharpshooters? I believe it was, yeah. Yeah. I think it was double sharpshooters. That was, that was sick. Loved that. Great. I it's think... a simple. It's a small thing. Very simple, and like I loved it though. I think you know it was a genius decision to get two of the best heels on Raw, put them together, and try and fight off DX because DX were really yeah. stale as soon as they kind of started. If you ask me, even I thought that when they had, when uh, they had just reformed. So to give them something good, something to sink their teeth into, I think was was, was a great decision. I think it was great. I mean, obviously, DX didn't have its greatest member X Pack, but um, <laughs> uh, I mean, just having you know, every time DX come back, all the fans love them. So having a team come together to face them, you just like that's just instant heat. You know, that's like sticking them in a microwave, basically. Oh yeah. Um, and then also, I think just having giving Orton that time working with Edge. Mm. Was really, really good for him. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, also, it can it is one of the best mashup themes of all time in WWE yes. history. Oh man, remember mashup themes? <laughs> it's just when you became when you became a tag team. It's just like okay, we'll take half of your thing and half of yours, or maybe we'll just stick you a voice line at the start, and that's it. Yep. <laughs> Roll the dice. <laughs> Um, so yeah, they had that was quite a long, uh, long-lasting tag team and uh, alliance actually. Um, after that, Edge had moved to SmackDown after attacking Mister Kennedy, grabbing his money in the contract, and winning the World Heavyweight Championship. Thus, moving to SmackDown and having a really great rivalry with the Undertaker. Uh, he started oh, last year oh, with Hawkins yeah. and Ryder. And had that relationship, that kayfabe relationship they, with Vicky Guerrero. Did they become? That, were, were they? Were they the Edgeheads? The Edgeheads, yes. yeah. And then La Familia when they brought in Vicky yeah. and Chavo. Let me tell you something. If there's anything that shows you just how damn Edge is, so how good he is at his job, is that he managed to get over 
get over his kayfabe relationship with Vicky Guerrero. Yeah, I thought you were going to say his ability to get over Chavo Guerrero. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. I don't know why. I just thought you were going to say it. Ooh, ooh, Chavo needs no help from anyone. But the fact that, that he got that over is a credit to his unbelievable powers because I love that so much. Yeah. Even though by all rights, that should have sucked. Yeah, and it, it gave us a great WrestleMania match. I think one of my personal favourite Taker matches at WrestleMania against Edge. Um, yeah. If not for that Charles Robinson running down the ramp spot for the <laughs> to count the pin, which is amazing, by the way. If you've not seen that um, uh, that clip, especially you when have... it's paired together with Chariots of Fire, it's amazing. You have never seen a man look like he is running so fast. <laughs> so, you know, they so say, slow. You know, they say... <laughs> You know, Usain Bolt did the 100 meters at 9.58. Can we get a time check on, on Charles Robinson there? Because that man, that man, when That's he a... needs to go for that big pin pinfall, he'll, he'll, he'll fucking bolt I... it down the I, Now that you put that thought into my head, Dan, I need to know. <laughs> I need can to we know. Get, can we get like the YouTube video game analysis things where it's like, well, if he's moving at this many frames, <laughs> this this distance, we can calculate his speed. Right, I want it on record now on this podcast that Dan, you have to at Charles Robinson when this pod when this episode goes <laughs> up to ask yo, him how fast he can run down. <laughs> yo, yo, film theory, where you at? Yeah, <laughs> we need that pat. Yes, that's all right. It. <laughs> but uh, no, great match. Go back and see it. I think it's definitely on their YouTube channel as well. Yeah, so get out of your way to watch it. He had a couple more WWE title reigns here and there. Uh, the triple threat match he had with Big Show and Cena at the 25th anniversary of WrestleMania. Arguably the best match the Big Show has ever been involved in. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's um, yeah. And we culminate with the tag team that he had with Chris Jericho when he won the unified tag championships and then suffered his his Achilles injury, which took him out of commission for quite a while. And thus leads us to the concluding chapter, 2010 to 2011. And we start the Royal Rumble of 2010. Number 28, Edge, returning to an absolutely thunderous applause. Oh yeah. I mean, we talk about, we'll talk about another pop that he received uh, uh, at the conclusion of this, but boy, was this loud! And and one hell of a uh, of, of an ovation uh, for a guy that looks like that might that Achilles injury might have taken him out of commission, and yeah. that probably would have been his retirement. But no, he made uh, a, apparently a, an incredible recovery from that, and uh, won the 2010 Royal Rumble, then went on to face Chris Jericho for the World Heavyweight Championship, which was, in all honesty. A very, very good match. And this saw yes. him turn face for the first time since 2004, believe it or not. Wow. This was the beginning what? of his face run. That's the beginning of his face run? Jesus. I, You know, it's funny how, how like, I know intellectually that when you look at his body of work, he's a career heel. Yeah. But he really doesn't feel like it. I think the thing is, is he just so regularly straddles that line where, like, he's a heel, yeah. but people will just, like, cheer him anyway. <laughs> mm. 
Of course, around this time of 2010, he doesn't win the World Heavyweight Championship, uh, but he ends up having a rivalry uh, with uh, Batista and Sheamus. Uh, ends yes, up right. having being part of the uh, uh, match, the elimination match against the Nexus. And then ends up having a, a tiny little rivalry uh, with, uh, if I believe it was, Jack Swagger. Which yes. then leads up, us up to 2011 and his rivalry with Alberto Del Rio. Um, leading now, there's up, a name I haven't heard in a while and for yeah. good reason. Uh, leading up to WrestleMania 27, uh, which, let's be honest, isn't the strongest WrestleMania. I think it's one of the most weakest WrestleManias, if you ask me. Um, I, I I find that the... Tw- I find the... Um the 20s run of WrestleMania is to be an extreme mixed bag. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it started off it started off quite well. I think if I'm more if if I'm honest, 20 was the one that really was like the one that was going, okay, this sounds this feels like it's going to be quite mixed this decade. Mm. I think 22 proved that yeah, this could actually be alright, alright. That's a good one. Cool. We're great. <laughs> I think this one definitely proved that yeah, this year is definitely going to be a damp. This, this decade. I think you're forgetting year. about the fact that WrestleMania 23 is like the greatest pay per view to ever exist. Let's not talk about Lashley versus Umaga. Let's not talk about Billionaire. <laughs> We're talking let's about not. Edge here. Let's not, shall we? They're <laughs> uh, all just haters. No, but you know what? A great highlight of, of WrestleMania 27 has to be this match. Um, it was great. Yeah. It, the emotion was so there as well because you had Christian returning as well around that time and him egging him on. And ultimately, it was a real great back and forth match. And if I remember rightly, am I right in saying that this was a ladder match? I might be wrong. A ladder might have been used. Uh, I don't mm. recall it being a ladder match. Yeah, I um, think maybe a ladder match. Before anyone gets angry at us, I will check. <laughs> if, if I remember don't rightly, add- it was actually the first match to go on as well. Correct me if I'm wrong uh, on that, chat. I believe it might have been the first match to go on. <laughs> Let's have a look. Uh, yes, it was the first match after the pre-show. <laughs> Uh, and it does not say that it was specifically a ladder match. It was just a match between Alberto Del Rio. Bleeding over the Christian match as well. Uh, Maybe. My genuine mistake there, my apologies. But no. I don't know, the only match. spot I ever remember from that really is when Edge uh, destroyed the destroyed his car after the match. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> that was hilarious. And I thought, great, a great end to that match. And little did we know that literally a week after, Edge would ultimately um have be forced to retire uh, due to yeah. his career and his um neck injuries his, his neck injuries that he's suffered um uh, and accumulated over the years edge goes off and stands in the middle of a ring at raw and gives his speech um man i can still remember this like it was yesterday um i think the line that really gets me that always gets me is when he says um if i was to do this all over again would i change or would i do it again and he would say in a heartbeat yeah Yeah. um he was a man who was dedicated to what he did he's a man who 
all like there's a phrase used with Edge and a few wrestlers, but particularly with Edge, it's um, won it all, done it all. Yeah. And I feel like that's the beauty of him. Like there's so much that he's done and I, I can understand. He was born to do it. He was just straight up born to be a wrestler more than anyone I can think of off the top of my head, frankly. Yeah. Like, right, the list of accomplishments when I think about it is amazing. Multiple tag team championships, um, intercontinental championships. uh, I think he was a four time WWE champion, but a seven time world heavyweight champion. King of the Ring, Mm. Money in the Bank, Mm -hmm. Royal Rumble was. The... I hate to, I hate to, I, I hate to, I hate to detract right now, but I really used to like King of the Ring. <laughs> I did like King of the Ring as well. Uh, it's original incarnation. Yeah, no, I mean, like he, he, like you said, like we say, won it all, done it all. You know, I don't think there's, there's a whole lot else to really say, and that's disregarding all the other awards they end up getting from people watching his stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then to top it all off, at that time, he became, at the time, the youngest um, Hall of Famer inductee. Yeah. yeah. And if I remember rightly, he was one of the... One of the... Um, on the current era, the one of the very first Grand Slam champions as well. Yeah. Yes. After maybe been around the time when WWE changed their rules on what made one and how they classified it <laughs> yeah it's so the i mean it was amazing the the career he had was phenomenal and it was just a shame that it had to end that way and mm. not on his terms and it was like it just sucked and i still remember being so so upset in that but um you know as you said ultimately he ended up becoming wwe hall of famer he ended up seeing his best friend win the world heavyweight championship um which by yeah, the way i think started an amazing, like amazing run christian just an offshoot that was oh, a great yeah yeah. yeah yeah love um, that multiple appearances here and there i specifically remember the one where he had to uh kind of convince john cena to beat brock lesnar at extreme rules because the passion in oh yes yeah. was amazing in that i remember i remember that and i remember him spearing elias yes yes uh multiple multiple appearances of the cutting edge talk show yeah um, oh yeah that's true and just ultimately bit bit pieces here there and everywhere and so concluding our retrospective on edge the year is 2020 uh, January, there have been rumours and uh, mullings goings on about Edge's possible return. Of course, as you said, spearing Elias in last year's SummerSlam sparked those rumours quite a lot. Um, but he constantly denied that he was medically cleared to wrestle. And was like, no, 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 you know, retirement's retirement. I'm going to, you know, just not risk it. And mm. so at number 23, if I remember we hear those famous, famous words. You have preconceived oh. notions about me. No, uh... <laughs> Dude, I can just feel, like, the goosebumps just, like, forming on my body as I go along. And we talk I... about pops. God. Oh. I remember looking that up because I heard, like... I 
it was one one of the greatest things is that I didn't get spoiled. Mm. In that I looked and someone said, like, there's a big, big return. I was like, okay, who is it? And I swear to God, I'm not, like, tooting my own horn or anything. I swear. I'm not, like, Nostradamus or anything. But as the countdown was going, something in my brain went, it's Edge, isn't it? And then my, But then I kind of dismissed it because I was like, nah, no way. He's, he's, he's retired. He's done. And then I heard, you know, and I just was like, no. <laughs> it's not possible. Cool. And there he fucking was. Looking jacked as looking hot. Looking like looking like Bruce Lee cut, my god. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. It's actually ridiculous. And I think as well, just I think the thing that got me was his like his face as he was walking out, because it looked like yeah. he was like he didn't even know about the fact he was there. Yeah. It's he looked like yeah. he woke up one day and he's like, Oh god, I'm here. Oh yeah! God, finally, once again, it looked like he pulled him off the street and said, "In." Especially, especially considering his new graying beard. It looks. Don't get me yeah. wrong, Edge. If you're listening, Dude, the look the, is great. I, I, I beard is mwah, but yes. it, it did look like someone literally went, "Hey, it's Royal Rumble time. Get dressed." <laughs> <laughs> All I'll say about Edge and his playing of that is that it was a sneaky so and so because on his Twitter and Instagram he posted a picture of him with his kids sat down watching TV. Yeah, that was, so, that was great. Just just proof that he hadn't missed a step at all. Um, and he proceeded to have a great a great if 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 a bit too long match against Randy Orton at WrestleMania. And oh, what, you mean course... the greatest wrestling match of all time? And of course, Backlash, <laughs> the greatest wrestling match of all time. Oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> but um, oh, this is how you can tell that I've lost all conception of time in like the last year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can we just say how bullshit it is that he has come back in the middle of a time where no one can just give him the pop he so righteously deserves? Yep. Yeah. Oh my god, it's just not fair. <sighs> just freaking sad. If anything, because um, we were talking, just a little aside uh, to the people listening here, we were talking about just before we were recording how much this year sucks. But if there was one mm. thing I could take from this year is that at least Edge got that opportunity to return with a crowd this year. I yeah. know. And get that pop. I'm so glad that he managed to get that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After yeah. nine years of 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 having to take uh, of having to retire from the thing you love, and granted, he did some amazing things. He did Haven. He was in Vikings. He was really good in Vikings. If yeah. you've seen that, um, he, was, he was in Flash. He was, he was uh, poorly used, I might add. Come on, man. Come on. <laughs> and, oh, that annoyed the shit out of me. And of course, he had the amazing podcast and show, the Edge and Christian show, that totally reeks of awesomeness. Yep. Oh, yeah. But it was so good to just see him back doing the thing he loves. And I really hope that it's a thing where he was medically cleared to do so. And it wasn't a, a dare I say, a, a, a Misawa kind of thing where he, he, he had no choice. Oh, where he was just... Back and unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. He couldn't, ha- he couldn't leave. Yeah. From, um, what I've, from what I've heard, it was a literal, like... Um medical science has improved enough that I can actually get this surgery and come back as long as I'm careful. Mm. Yeah. 
it's just a darn shame that he ended up injuring injuring himself. Yeah, Dawn tries that. And then he, he injures himself. But to be honest, if he were like the, as weird and morbid as it sounds, if he was ever going to injure himself, this was the time to do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we can get another return pop. Yeah. Like <laughs> Exactly. That's like when I heard he injured himself, I was like, oh, that sucks. But like, just like, and he's like, how, how long is he injured? Eight months. And then the pandemic continued to go on. I'm like, honestly, <laughs> like, just keep, just um, get better. Well, get better soon. There. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> truly, truly, whether injured or not, he is the ultimate opportunist. <laughs> Oh my god, it's so oh Good my Lord, god, it's right. that's actually just true. And that is a that is an amazing way. That, I guess that's the amazing way to bookend the retrospective on Edge. <laughs> so uh thoughts and feelings of, of of this and and kind of just of Edge now. Oh man, just uh, the the greatest wrestling the Lex Luthor of wrestlers. <laughs> Just the greatest heel with some of the greatest matches, with some of the greatest, with some of the greatest moves. He he like he didn't invent the spear, but he sure as hell perfected it. So sorry, sorry, Goldberg. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> that's his move. I don't give a shit. The best spear I, was Rhino. Don't at me. Uh, I love Rhino, but I don't know. I'm gonna at you. I'm gonna at you. I'm going to at you. Come on, no one can do an inverted sharpshooter and call it the educator quite like Edge. Yeah, just. Oh no, for that, for that, for that, he's great. I mean, yeah. like his spear is good because like the entire thing of his matches is building up to it, and he like sells the concept of it so greatly yes in execution though i prefer right now <laughs> i'm just maybe we like... should reform thug life <laughs> yeah, i mean i'd watch it shit. christian <laughs> rhino and edge in 2020 no, oh no, yeah we're, we're, we're sure as heck adding them right now and telling no, them no, if, if i'm if i'm gonna end this, end this on other than my eternal love and serious gratitude for just some of the <laughs> Some of the like the greatest things that he has given, some of the greatest moments in as a wrestling fan that Edge has given us. I can pray to all the stars in heaven that we finally that we finally get the opportunity to have the final Edge versus Christian match. That's all I can say. Yeah, that's all yeah. I can say. Absolutely. I mean, if if we're saying like dream matches for Edge. Now, mm. oh, that's a tough one. He'd be on. He'd be on Raw. So, who on the Raw roster would I love to see Edge face? I mean, obviously, I mean Edge and Christian. Uh, you know, like one on one and the series kind of thing would be amazing. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you know what's a dark horse one, but I think would be really good. And even though it's kind of like it's cliche for me to say, but I've got to say it, Edge versus Kofi. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I've said, I would love to see, um, uh, you know, Edge for Edge and the Fiend. Mm. Like, like, I mean, that's like, uh, that's like a given just because of how, you know, the, his career is so long and there's so much that you can do with it and you can start, you know, 
bring back people dressing up as like the brood and shit. Yeah. Um, if I had to say someone on someone on Raw that isn't Randy Orton, <laughs> <laughs> Drew, maybe. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I could. I could although potentially that, see that. Although for some reason that feels like a weird one to me. I don't know. Well, why. I mean, if 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 you're selling them both as, um, I mean, like Drew is firmly in babyface territory right now. Yeah. Mm. So it would be it would be an interesting one to. Uh, it'd be an interesting one to do. I'll say that. Mm. Um, sure. Give me a moment while I just like, look at the Raw roster. Sam, what do you think? Well, you know, well, in all honesty, if I wasn't restricted to the Raw roster, I would say Johnny Gargano. Um, mm. Ooh, hello. I would like to see that match. I would like to see that match maybe in the final year of his contract. Um, mm. For sure. Uh, before he has that, that final match with Christian that I think we all want to see. <laughs> but currently on the Raw roster... I, I would say Seth, maybe, would be a good one. I was going to say that as my side one. Honestly, actually... Um... Or maybe, maybe Kevin Owens. Yeah, I was yeah. about to say that. I would say Kevin Owens. I think Kevin Owens makes more sense, because, you know, yeah. both Canadians, both incredible wrestlers for oh, their yeah. time, and they've not met in the ring, and they need to meet in the ring, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. But yes, thus concludes our retrospective on edge so for next episode we've got a very special very special uh episode we have for you it is called great wrestlers you never knew this is going to be a brand new kind of segment or kind of offshoot podcast where i educate dan and reardon on great wrestlers within the indies within japan or people that were in WWE but only ever reached the mid-card, and kind of st- establish as to why they are considered some of the greats, some of the legends of the industry. So, before we start recording on these podcasts, I'll give these guys ma- free matches, free of their uh, of, of a wrestler, or the subject's yes. best matches, and supplementary mm. material, documentaries, uh, books or articles on these wrestlers. <sighs> Homework! Homework indeed. And I'm not going to reveal the first person we're going to be talking about because I will let these guys, well not let these guys, but I will let you, the viewers, have a look at to who that might be on our Twitter page at the Sweet Chinwag. So during the week Ooh. you may see something very special on our Twitter page. But Ooh. until the next episode, I've been Sam this has been Reardon and Dan, and you have been listening to the Sweet Chin podcast. We'll see you on the next one. Bye! Woo! Sexton Hardcastle! <laughs> <laughs>